Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. Uh, I am Bill Snyder, and as always, I am joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. Welcome, Ann, and thanks so much for uh, joining uh, us, as always, on this Sewing Hope journey. Oh, it's so great to be here, as it always is. I love Sewing Hope, and I love our listeners, and I love our guests, and I'm so excited about today's guest. Yes, who is it? Tell us about who it is. We have our friend Lisa Maladnik. She is a speaker, an author, and also a strengths coach, and much more. I'm sure I'm leaving out part of uh, her titles. So, Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Anne and Bill, for having me. This is just so much fun. Great way to start the day. Yeah, it is. It is. And now this is a pre-recorded podcast, so we are here on a Tuesday morning, but when this is actually aired, it will be evening. So good evening, everyone. (laughs) Good evening. Good evening, good good morning, whenever you're listening to this. Thanks for tuning in. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're listening. (laughs) Yes. So I know you're coming to us from New York, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're both on the east eastern side of the country as I'm in Pennsylvania. Bill's out there in Wisconsin. So uh, Lisa, I thought whatever you can share with us about your faith journey, you've had such an amazing journey to to where you are now and all the wonderful uh, services that you offer for those who are seeking, uh, as I said, the strength coach. And I know there's much more to it than that, but uh, love to hear your journey. Oh, thank you. Well, I was raised in the church by devout parents in a military home, so we moved around a lot. Um, We were, you know, a pretty high-functioning family in most regards, and which is surprising for military families because there's a lot of strain there. Um, But we grew up in a time when the church was really transitioning post-Vatican II, and there was a lot of experimentation going on. There was also a growing cultural Catholic embarrassment about being religious. And so everything was sort of youth oriented. There was this fear of alienating young people by being too adult in a way and relating to us. And so they were always trying to be on our level. Um, We were given a very soft kind of, I say a plush toy Jesus, somebody who loves you, loves you, loves you, but never challenges you, never gives a framework or meaning to your suffering. We knew nothing about Our Lady or the saints. We knew nothing about martyrdom or the transformational and healing power of the sacraments. And so we were given a feel-good gospel, 
by really good people who, you know, one of my catechists is still alive and I love him dearly. He was just so well intended. He made sure that we felt welcome in the church, which was a big deal. And so that when I eventually fell away and came back to the church, I certainly felt welcome there. So he's, to me, a saintly person. But there was a lot of struggle with the culture in those days. So we went out into the world with our feel-good religion, and life didn't always feel good. And as the pain and the suffering and the wounds <laughs> accumulated, mm -hmm. it started to feel an awful lot like God didn't love me. I didn't realize until years later that that was a big part of my anger and my alienation, but somehow I got the message that feeling good was being loved by God, and I did not recognize that I could be deeply loved by God at the foot of the cross. Such a good point, because I know that people who may be listening to this podcast right now, uh, especially as we are coming, uh, hopefully, out of this pandemic, right? that uh, are, have been through such difficult moments with job loss, with possibly uh, uh, disease or not feeling well mentally or physically, so many things, and even some marriages are not doing well at this time, unfortunately, uh, after the, as an aftermath from the pandemic. So it's wonderful that you have brought that to our listeners that Suffering doesn't equal that God doesn't love you. And it, it can feel that way sometimes. But as you said, you need to separate that whole feeling aspect from the truth, right? And that's part of catechism is that feelings have value, right? They do have value, but we can't base our lives on how we feel every day. Yeah, Chris Stefanik uh, recently interviewed Pastor Rick Warren, you know, the megachurch pastor who wrote uh, The Purpose Driven Life, and his son at 27 committed suicide. And so Pastor Warren and his wife had to know their, their belovedness as children of God in the midst of that terrible grief. And one of the things the pastor said was, God is not a feeling. And I thought that that was so sane. We have to, it, feelings are good, right? We can have consolations. We can sense the presence of God in our lives. He can give us moments of really transcendent joy at times. Some of us are able, are not able, but are gifted in certain moments with those feelings of contact with God. And so that's very beautiful and not to be ignored or undervalued. But at the same time, God himself is not, does not dwell in our feelings. No, exactly. And what a, what a beautiful way, um, you know, that you've given us that, that, that basis, because I, I'm interested in finding out how you kind of pulled yourself out of, out of that. You know, how, how, how did you come to the awareness? What, was there a trigger moment for you, Lisa, that, 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 that you know, kind of sparked a deeper um, awareness of God in your life? Was there, was there that, um, you know, moment, that God moment? Mm, there, there were a number of things that was kind of like me tumbling downhill, almost like that snowball getting bigger and bigger. I suffered an assault in college that really planted a seed of bitterness in me that just grew over time. And any other kind of negative experiences I had with men just fed into that. And I didn't even realize it because I've always been kind of a smiley pleaser, but my anger was really growing. It was really taking hold. And my poor husband uh, married this woman. But I also had, <laughs> we, we went to, <laughs> yeah, hello. I was a ticking time bomb. Yeah. And he <laughs> He's a very sweet person, too. So we go to New York. I had a, a you know, struggling little, like, 
trying to be an actress uh, career, had incidents, you know, just nothing major, but unhappy experiences with men in that environment. And also, um, we, I suffered from infertility for a long time. And there were other things going on in my life that were just increasing my frustration, increasing the sense that I was abandoned by God, that God didn't love me. And life was just becoming nothing but pain. And of course, that was spilling into all of my relationships. Things were not going well. I was getting to the point where I truly wanted to run away from home and I didn't know where. I was like on my way to being that person in the woods typing out manifestos and separating from humanity i was really not not in good shape oh my god wow (laughs) so so i really i hit rock bottom i mean i really was flat on my face and not knowing what to do and i was still auditioning and things like that and i met a woman that i had seen i had been friends with years ago at an out-of-town audition and she recommended a book that was about a woman who left everything for a time to go she was an existential crisis and she went to just be alone for a while and walk the beaches with her dog and confront the reality of her life and I got really enamored of this idea and I started casting about for places to go and I wanted nothing to do with religion at this point because God was this abandoning male in my in my eyes I didn't understand that he's pure spirit and all of that but so I started looking for a place to be and uh and was looking at ashrams and retreat centers that I couldn't afford just because I wanted to be among people to feel safe. But I really didn't know where to go. And uh, at a certain point, my mom came to visit us, saw that I was in crisis. And the main thing that she did, she found a little retreat center for me, a Catholic retreat center dedicated to Our Lady, which I mm. could afford. But she also, in a moment of grace, and I had no, this was not premeditated, I asked my mother how to pray the rosary. And she taught it to me. And even though I was rejecting God, it's so bizarre to me, even now, many years later, I started praying to Our Lady every day. And boy, wow. things change fast when you start to pray to Our Lady. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness. Amen. Yeah. I will agree on that one. Mm, yeah. So, She's there for all those big question marks <laughs> of life. All those big question marks of life. Why? Why? How did this happen? Mm-hmm. And you turn to Our Lady and it's not a magic wand. I mean, we know that she things don't just magically become perfect in your life, but your eyes open up to the, the grand scheme of, of your life and, and your relationship with God. So it's so beautiful that you shared that with us. And I would like to just for those who are on this podcast, who maybe don't uh, have your name right in front of them, I'd like to invite them to connect with you on social media and give them your name and spelling so that they have it. So it's Lisa Maladnik. It's her last name is spelled M-L-A-D-I-N-I-C-H. So you want to connect with her on the social media platforms. And I also have two websites that you can check. And now we're going to talk about those two at some point. But uh, one is, is Raphael Remedy forward slash Lisa Maladnik.com. And I know you'll explain that later. And the other one is amazingcatechist.com. And then you would put Lisa Maladnik's name in the search engine. So um, not to interrupt your wonderful story of faith. Mm, so, no, uh, thank you. But thank I just you, wanted to, for those who are holding their phone and thinking, oh, I'd love to learn more about Lisa. And maybe they're looking up right now on their phone uh, to like your Facebook page or connect with you on the platforms. So, um you know, just going back to your story, uh, where did it lead to after that? You know, you prayed that rosary with your mother and 
you know, gradually faith became a more and more important, maybe the most important part of your life. Yeah. Well, what happened is that, excuse me, I went uh, on a little trip. I told my husband I was going and I didn't know when I would be back, which was a really shocking and horrible thing to do to my husband. But I was really in extremis and I just knew that I needed to go. And so I booked Uh, I booked a train ticket from New York City to Providence, Rhode Island. My mother met me there and took me to the car rental place. It was before GPS. This was in 1992. So I I had printed directions for just a couple of quick turns off the highway to this shrine in West Attleboro at the height of the fall foliage. And I stayed in a dormitory there for $35 a day room and board. It was all I could afford. But of course, our lady's fingerprints were all over it. On the train ride, there was no place to sit. So I had to settle on this four-hour train ride next to the only available seat uh, next to a young woman and uh, as soon as I sat down she started talking to me and witnessing to the saving love of Jesus Christ in her life uh, which is I was at this point believe me very angry and rejecting Jesus Christ I mean I was not the person that I wanted to be talking about and she talked about him and the way he had transformed her broken life for four hours (laughs) (laughs) how god works (laughs) i think of the women along the way starting with my mother as the beads of a rosary so you'll see the way women pop up when i was too angry to listen Mm -hmm. to men and so but it actually went by very quickly and she said to me at the end you know i'm actually a very shy person i've never done that before witnessing to a stranger and so i was like okay and you know i was not in the groove with the lord yet so i just kind of brushed it off met with my mom, got in the rental car, went out to the shrine. And while I was there, the pain just exploded. I was really beside myself. I was spending a lot of time alone in my room, just crying and not knowing what to do with myself. But every day at noon, I would race to the chapel for for the mass. And don't ask me why. I mean, I know the Lord was calling me, but I was not in a state of grace. I should not have been receiving Holy Communion, but I simply couldn't resist. The more I prayed the rosary, and I didn't connect the two at the time, the more I hungered for Christ. And so I would receive communion on my tongue, and I was so angry that I would feel like it's going to burst into flames on my tongue. But I just kept receiving. And of course, I wasn't in a state of grace, but I was too ignorant to understand that. At any rate, so this kind of went on. I met people. I talked to someone who loves St. Therese of Lisieux, and I went to the gift shop at the shrine, got a book on her, and kind of found my first saint friend. Remember, I hadn't been taught anything about the saints. And so that was really interesting to me, and I started to see little, you know, roses here and there and interesting signs. But then one night when I was really in just very bad shape, I went walking on the grounds alone under the moonlight and they had a lot of kind of life-size stations of the cross statues and things like that that were very beautiful in the starlight and the moonlight and I ended up in front of a statue of Our Lady of La Salette and I just looked into that gentle looking face it was just a statue but I couldn't help it I felt her heart and I just started pouring out mine and I told her my whole ugly story my life was so bitter and ugly at that point and I blamed and condemned everyone in my life but myself poured it out for a long time I don't know how long and at full volume so if anyone heard me they surely kept their distance from the crazy woman on the hill Um, but I let it all out (laughs) and when I was emptied of it all when I had kind of laid it all at her feet I just felt quiet, and for the first time in my life, words that were not my own were spoken clearly into my heart, and I heard, go see my son. (laughs) can't even say it without crying. I heard her so clearly as a mother. Go see my son. Go see my son. And so 
I walked or just very close by was the huge crucifix where with big steps going up to it and of course penitents I knew penitents would have gone up them on their knees and so I stomped up those stairs and I stood at the foot of that cross <laughs> and I let him have it I told him the whole story again I blamed and condemned everyone but myself and wept and wailed and at the end I stood there empty again and waited for him to speak to me and he said nothing and I was like right and I just you know, kind of stomped off back to the dormitory. But I went to sleep, and when I woke up in the morning, all of my bitterness was gone. I was emptied of it, and I was healed, and I knew that the healing had come from Jesus. And so it was still a few more days when there was a little retreat on the grounds before I went to reconciliation for the first time in many years. And that really the healing process just accelerated. Lots of things started to change for me. But that was the major turning point. There, there were lots of other little stories around things that happened at the, the shrine, but that was the most important moment. Wow. That, what a story. Now, is that written somewhere? It should be. <laughs> Parts of it are in my book, True Radiance. The, the basics of the story are there. Um, not every single story, every sign, but um, some, I sometimes think, uh, and I have been asked to write my conversion story uh, for a particular website, so I may do that soon. You know, I was uh, just going to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you and I have something in common, though, Lisa, because that's where I had my conversion at that Attleboro Shrine in Massachusetts. No. Nope. No way. Our Lady of La Salette. Our Lady of La Salette Shrine in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Yep. No way. <laughs> no. Yeah. As you're telling way. Me that okay. Yeah. Okay. I. Please tell tell more. No, Say it's, more, it's Bill. Not as, it's not as <laughs> um, it's not as uh, amazing as that. I simply went on a youth retreat uh, to the Steubenville Youth Conference, which was the location of that in 2001. God, there is no other. Um, was held at that shrine, uh, and that's where I experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit for the very first time uh, as a as a 16 year old <laughs> kid in a in a. Uh, in a youth group, so uh, from Paley, Pennsylvania. So uh, that is actually, um, wow. you know, I, I, I'm just picturing the shrine in my mind as you're talking about that, and I'm going, oh yeah, those stairs, people would go up on them on their knees, you know. Mm. So, so yeah, just it's a beautiful place. If you live in that area or you are in that area for any reason, go to Attleboro, Massachusetts, and uh, go to that shrine, Our Lady of La Salette Shrine, and. Uh, there's only two uh, Our Lady of La Salette shrines in the United States, to my knowledge. The other one is about an hour south of me right here um, in a town called Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. Uh, and so when I moved from uh, for out, out here you know, to the Midwest uh, in 2006, um, and then I got my first job as youth minister, I was surprised to find that about 20 minutes away from my from my play, from my parish, the, the other shrine in the United States, I was like, "Well, I guess Our Lady of La Salette has been watching over me uh, and and my ministry." Um, you know, and it makes so much sense. Uh, it's such a beautiful apparition. Um, but anyway, so I digress. And and your story is so much more incredible than mine. I simply went on a Steubenville uh, Youth Conference retreat that was held there in 2001, so about 10 years after you, nine years after you. Uh, and had a, uh, a deep moment of, and profound moment of conversion in that, uh, and that was incredible. But um, but yeah, your story is amazing, and just just talk about the shrine. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I, now you have me intrigued because I haven't <laughs> been there yet, so I have go. to go. And I, and I love I loved it when we visited Boston. So I don't know how far away it is from from Boston, 
maybe you can tell us. It's Boeing. Oh, gosh, I, I don't know exactly geographically, um, but I did want to say, Bill, that by amazing coincidence, somewhere in between 1992 and 2001, at a previous Steubenville conference on those same grounds, I was there as a chaperone for two of my teenage nieces, one of whom was 16, I believe at the time, who also had a big conversion. Uh, I'm, I'm not even kidding. We were in, in the tent and one of the yes. Franciscan friars of the Renewal was doing his thing. And I looked at her and she had her head bowed and there was like a glow around her. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And she's this the rest is history she's an amazing white catholic wife and mom now but she was you know she was a kid she was a little yeah. lost at the time yeah wow. i think amazing. you've intrigued some people to go visit there yeah. <laughs> and, and Me, anything myself being one <laughs> yes exactly and all those steubenville youth conferences we are so grateful for those yes absolutely amazing oh, yeah boy. yeah so, so so after conversion the beauty flooded back into my life my creativity came rushing back my relationships started to heal i became a real confession addict still am uh, boy uh it's really amazing when you go to confession how parts of your life are healed that you didn't even know were connected with your sins it's just like watching uh one of those uh, time-lapse photography things of a, of a garden blooming that's what it feels like to me to look back at the impact of the sacraments on my life when i came back and started to fall in love with jesus because of our lady's help Oh, so glad that you mentioned your story and also uh, the beauty of the sacraments. You know, all of us who have been on the, during this pandemic, who are people of faith, I believe, have missed the Eucharist, have missed confession. So isn't it beautiful and wonderful that here we are now finally getting back in? Oh, yeah. I received communion for the first time this past Sunday at a low Latin mass and the priest afterwards was blessing all our sacramentals and things. But just being there in the presence of the tabernacle again, because we have a 97 year old in our home, my husband's mom. So mm. we've been super careful. I've been watching the masses on TV. Even when we've been allowed to go back in the church, I've been really careful. So it was my first time back in the church. I just wept the whole time. It was yeah. awesome. The power of God understand. was so present. I was blown away. It was great. Yeah. Oh, I understand. The first time I went a couple of weeks ago was just filled with with joy and walking into the church. And yes, I had my mask on. Yes, we had to do all the separation and everything, but it was all worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it was all worth it to receive Jesus Christ. And and, you know, I think I think this is a very neat testament to is that, you know, we're talking as as people who of faith and and how much the Lord has deepened us through this. You know, he's deepened our faith through this period, um, you know, uh, as, as um, you know, Pope Francis always says, you know, the Eucharist is not a prize for the perfect. And, and oftentimes, you know, faithful Catholics can kind of fall into that. Um, this is a prize for the perfect kind of, kind of thing. All right. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to church. I'm in a state of grace. I get to get to just, no, no, no. It's, it's really meant to be something, you know, of a, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, a healing, a uh, bonding, a communion with the saints in heaven, like you know, and and with Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what this is. This is to be part of the body of Christ, and and so often we take that for granted. And I think God, through this pandemic, has certainly broken me. Of you know, the Eucharist is this prize for the perfect. We get to show up every Sunday. You know, we get to go to church, um, and. And, and I think that, uh, you know, those words by our Pope were in some ways uh, prophetic for this time right now, uh, because, because uh, it, it, you know, 
we're, we're, we're deepening our faith. And, and so it's great to hear you, Lisa, talk about that and talk about confession, too, and how the Lord heals uh, areas of our lives we don't even know we're broken in, in confession. Um, so what, a, what, an amazing, what an amazing thing. Mm, it, it I sure agree. Is. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I thought maybe we could talk also about a little bit further about this pandemic and the social unrest. And you have dealt a lot with families, especially the fact that you are a catechist and wondered if you knew of a good strategy strategy for families uh, during stressful times when many people still are just coming out of this pandemic and, and maybe still at home for the most part. Wondered if you had any uh, suggestions there. Oh, yeah. Um, my favorite three things are to practice mutual acceptance, and I'll dive into it a little bit at a time. The other thing is to stay small. We can get very overwhelmed by everything that's wrong in the world. We can feel so outnumbered that we get discouraged and afraid. Stay small, let God be big. And the third one is to keep a supernatural perspective that uh, St. Paul said, this is not a fight against flesh and blood. These are principalities and powers. And so we really need to stand in the strength and in the power of God. Um, and so those three pieces, working at that mutual acceptance, and I'd really like to say more about that, staying small and staying in that supernatural perspective. Um, the most important thing to me as a person in a mixed marriage, as a person who's adult child is no longer in the church, but I'm looking forward to the day when she returns by God's grace. Um, my mother-in-law is a person who's really not a practicing Catholic as well. I have the privilege as well as the cross of being the person in my home that is a tabernacle of the presence of Christ through the sacramental presence in my soul. But it's very important that I not engage in any kind of comparisons with families where both spouses are Catholic and the kids are all practicing and everything looks great on social media. I need to stay out right. of that. Exactly. Right? I, I need to stay in a place of looking for the best in the other person, whoever it is in front of me, whoever it is that I'm in proximity with. And this can help in any circumstances when you're squished together in a pandemic or everybody's not able to go to their jobs or go to work or whatever it is. So you're kind of stepping on each other a little bit. The, the moment of grace is I'm going to look for the best in this person instead of harping on everything that's driving me crazy. And there's a couple of things that happen then. Remember I'm that nodding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all doing it to each other. It's very human. It's not, there's nothing unusual about that. It doesn't mean that you're not growing in holiness. You're do, we're just all struggling with it. So, but the point is that if God is present in each of us and we believe that and we're made in his image and likeness, the more we look for the good in each other, the more we're looking for God. We're looking for that divine presence, but we're just trying to look for, and it can even be, you wake up in the morning and thank God for your spouse. Oh, I can thank God for his beautiful brown eyes. It doesn't have to be, you know, listing his his virtues and his character qualities, which, you know, thankfully has many lovely ones. But whatever the moment of gratitude and affirmation in your mind about the other person helps to not only recognize it, but strengthen it, call it out in the other person. I hope the trash truck going by is not providing too much background no, sound for good. you all. It's but all um, yeah, <laughs> no, no, life in the it. suburbs. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, but uh, just a reminder that life goes on, right? Um, but anyway, the point is, 
that the more we're looking for the good, the more we start to reflect it as well. Mm. And we grow in holiness. We grow more and more in the image and likeness of God ourselves. And so we discover our authentic selves in that. So we look for the good in them, give them acceptance, help call out the good in them and affirm it. And, and here's another piece to that, especially for those of you listening who are in mixed marriages or, or have adult children at home who are not practicing their faith. There will undoubtedly be many moments of grace for them along their path. And what about that moment when that, the questions really become important to them about who they are and why they're here and who is their God? And if, and if so, what is my relationship supposed to be with God? In that moment of grace, who do they turn to? The person that was disappointed, critical, even if it was just in your head, they know. Um, you know, distancing, maybe a little bit, you know, just kind of always having that kind of toxic presence in their life. Or even if you're loving, if your head is in that critical space, they know, believe me. They can see it in your face. They can feel it in the air. In that moment of grace, who do they come to? The person who's been critical all the time or habitually or the person who consistently drew out and affirmed the good in them? Where is that bridge going to be? So you want to be that bridge. And, uh, and just to practice it because that's what God does with us. Anytime I've ever got, asked God to help me see myself the way he does because I'm getting down on myself or I'm getting really negative about my life in any way, I always have this sense of lifting, of joy, of God almost saying lighten up. And so we really need to do that with each other. We can really have great peace, make lots of room for Christ and for grace in our lives and for love to grow and for our family members to experience the joy of our salvation not the purgatory that many of us will experience. We don't want to bring that into our family lives. We don't have to supply purgatory for them. Uh-huh. No. no, no, it's perfect. <laughs> I love listening to you because, and, and just backing up a couple uh, steps when you mentioned about social media and perfect families. I mean, the three of us here on this call, Bill, myself, and, um, and yourself, Lisa, is, uh, you know, we're, we, we see sometimes people of faith where we get this perception of, of this sort of perfect Catholic family where all of the kids are going to mass every week and very involved in their faith and the couple never argue and there's no problems. But I think in reality, it's, it's, it's not really true. And we have to open up our eyes to the good in our own lives and the positivity. Now, not in the world sense of positive thinking, right? But more in God's sense of positive thinking and how he provides I, that, that's the way I, what I'm hearing. And I just thank you for uh, bringing that to light for all of us. Um, I would love, Lisa, if we could get into talking about the strengths coaching that you do, because uh, we definitely want to hit on that during this call and this uh, podcast. Wondered if you could explain a little bit about that. Okay, so just to clarify, I'm the least athletic person in the world, so this has nothing to do with <laughs> physical fitness. Going to the gym or anything like that, right? <laughs> no, never uh-huh. have been, never will be. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But strengths coaching is, a, is an aspect of life coaching. So I'm a professional life coach. I'm trained and, in fact, ongoing training. And uh, recently went through training with a, with a tool that I've loved for a long time, the Gallup uh, Clifton Strengths Finder tool. And so I love the idea. This was kind of all born about 60 years ago. Dr. Don Clifton started to do an enormous amount of research at the time when positive psychology was being born 
which is he didn't invent, but it was part of that movement where we focus way too much on what's wrong with us and not enough on what's right with us. And so Clifton started studying what he called talent themes. And those are areas of our personality that are completely natural to us. And if you combine talent with a little bit of development, those areas of natural talent grow very fast and and you'll go way beyond other people who don't have that natural talent theme dominant in your personality so in other words it's the idea is you have someone you know like pick any great quarterback I don't want to be too controversial but I'm from New England so I'll just say let's say Tom Brady we'll just assume he has oh. some natural- <laughs> hello I know everyone's going I'm Whoa. Philadelphia <laughs> I know hello no love yeah. the Eagles but um at any rate so the point is he has some natural talents, right? But if he had stayed home, those natural talents would have sta- just kind of been fallow. But because he combined the natural talent with a lot of effort, his talents outpaced somebody else who doesn't have as much of that natural talent putting in the same amount of, of effort, right? So knowing what your talents are helps you to grow exponentially. And a lot of us don't understand our own talent themes because this is really subtle stuff. It's really interesting stuff about how we think, how we communicate, how we learn, how we problem solve. And so the talent themes, there are 34 of them, can help us to get a sense of how we work and how we are at our best. And so it doesn't tell us what we're going to do with our lives. It tells us how we do everything best, how we can function at our highest level. And so talent doesn't doesn't automatically mean strength. A strength is a talent that's very developed. And the nice thing about a natural talent is that it develops very quickly and easily. And so sometimes when I'm coaching people, we'll, ta- we'll reflect on peak experiences, times when they've been in the flow, and, uh, and we'll relate it to the talents that come up through the StrengthsFinder assessment. I really love it. it. It all comes back to how we are wonderfully made by God. And appreciating that is to appreciate his handiwork and to live into the way he has knit us together in our mother's wombs for a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says yeah. that, we are, that there's a plan and a purpose for our lives that should be full of hope. And so knowing more about ourselves really does help us to operate at our highest level. And having that information can also help us to appreciate other people's gifts. It can also help us to recognize why we conflict with certain people, why we want to go, 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 which is one of my talent themes. It's called activator. And someone else who who makes decisions more slowly someone with a deliberative theme might we might conflict with each other until we appreciate each other's talents where I'm going to go to that person with the deliberative theme and say you know you're really good at making careful decisions you evaluate all the data you can see the problems that might be showing up down the line you help me to make better decisions and I'll help you get going right we can help each other if we're member members of the same family corporate teams do this all the time with StrengthsFinder, and it results in much higher engagement. People are much happier at their jobs. They feel they're in the right places, and they operate at a very high level, and they, and they report excellent quality of life as well. Very well proven in the corporate world. So now I'm working with Catholic families to understand their, theirs and each other's mutual kind of talent themes and uh, how they can work well together, communicate together, and appreciate how they're wonderfully made, and then aim their talents at their goals uh, so that they can really accomplish them in their own way. I just love this. Now, I have to say, she's she's already got a client coming up, and that'll be myself. We've already <laughs> talked about it. I, I'm very, very excited and hope to get some of my 
uh, family members on board. Hint, hint, if they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you have me. Now, if um, if people are listening, now you gave us these two websites, which I'm going to repeat again. But how can they get in touch with you directly? Do you have an email address or uh, perhaps a phone number, whatever works for you so they can connect with you about finding out more or maybe even be a client? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Facebook, Lisa Maladnik, or you can uh, reach out to me at my email address, which is also my name. Too bad it's not Lisa Smith, right? It's Lisa <laughs> at Maladnik.com. And again, it's M-L-A-D-I-N-I-C-H. And uh Maybe they'll be in your show notes, hopefully. Yes, so people we'll, can find oh, that. Yes, <laughs> yes, we'll put it in the show notes below. Just look right below you in the uh, on on YouTube or on uh, on the Podbean uh, or wherever podcast you're listening to this on. It'll be right in the oh. show notes. <laughs> That's great because we don't want right. to have to have a spelling test on top of everything else I'm throwing at them today. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh goodness! I always say that you can email Sewing Hope. Too. Now, I'll just say that it's sewinghope at patchworkheart.org. And our friends know that we spell sewing, S-E-W-I-N-G. So just wanted to mention that too. So is there anything else that you can share with us about the coaching? Um, how has an awareness of your own talents changed your life? Oh, it's been really remarkable. Um, as part of the training that I just went through, I was already really appreciating it, using it with my clients, and it was bearing fruit. But we go, went through this really intensive training as coaches to use the tools. So I started using a lot of the Gallup tools on myself, of course. And I realized a couple of things. In my top five, I have something called intellection. And people who have intellection, you're not labeling yourself as I am intellection. It's just something you have within you. People of intellection love to think, and they love to reflect, and it's just a part of their personality. But understanding the gift, which is that love, that, that tendency, underneath it is a human need. Underneath any, every strength is a human need. And for me, it's time to reflect, taking time. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to just honor that because my life has been so busy for so long. I tend to think when I'm in the car or folding laundry, but I don't really take time out just to think. And this is in my top five out of 34. So I scheduled time from two to four one afternoon just to lay a bunch of stuff I'd been learning out on the bed, prop up with pillows, sit with a little notebook and pray and think and ponder. I have to tell you, I was suffering from burnout this past year, just working too hard, traveling too much, too many projects, and I've been struggling in my creative life. Just sitting there and relaxing and reflecting and letting my mind wander into making connections suddenly really deepened my learning of the course I had just taken with Gallup, but it also unleashed my creativity. It was like a blowtorch being lit and it hasn't stopped since. It's been mm. several weeks. And so this just is newly like a whole new level of discovery for me of when I live into what's natural for me, I can, God can heal me through that. I can be reawakened. And I have to tell you, all my, all my enthusiasm and energy and everything has come completely back. Even my like mental clarity, I really genuinely need that. And it also, my productivity goes way up when I take time out for myself just to think and reflect. So it's that funny little paradox, like we need time out to pray. That fuels our days. And for me, part of that is giving time just for that intellection talent to have space because that's how God made me. And so I don't have to feel bad about that or self-indulgent about that. That's who I am. It's who he's called me to be. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard this before too in the whole 
in this more in the secular world regarding that mindfulness, you know, and part of that is there's that section of the brain that that gets, as you use the word, activated when we take that time to slow down and reflect and be mind, more mindful. And we can think about that in a Catholic Christian term, too, because God is present, right? That's where it becomes uh, Catholic, right, or, or Christian, that we're inviting God into that mindful space, too. It's not just about um, going inside our brains and kind of seeing what's there. And maybe right. I'm not... You know what I'm saying? No, no I totally get what you're saying. And, and just to further make the distinction that you were just bringing up, the mindfulness movement is suspending all judgment, right? Which is not what we want to do. We want to have good judgment and we want to bring yeah. our, our sense of God's design for our lives and our own judgment, good judgment, not judgmentalism, um, mm -hmm. into any meditation reflection. We don't want to let go of the good brain God gave us. We want to. We don't want to be so self-emptying that we open ourselves to spiritual things that are not healthy for us. So, as you were just alluding to, so uh, when we use that term maybe just like a chance to be like resting in the presence of God. And you want to know something else about the whole intellection thing is that when I was a kid, even though I was considered gifted and did well in all my courses all my life, I was, I've got notes, reprimanding notes sent home by many teachers daydreams in class. They would see me mm. gazing out a window, intellecting and consider me not to be learning. And actually I was. I was learning on a deep level. I was integrating what I was hearing. And so that's just another thing to take into family life. You may have someone who's intellecting, who's really not ignoring you, who is processing in a different way. No, I'm glad you said that. And it needs to be said, especially for we as parents, you know, with our children, I homeschooled. I know that you did too. That's another topic, right? Mm -hmm. That could be a whole nother show, we'll say. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but since we have like about 15 minutes or, or left, uh, I thought we could also talk about your writing and you wrote a book called True Radiance and wondered if you can share on that. Oh, yeah. When when I was going through menopause, okay, men, plug your ears. Um, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bill's I climbing won't, under I won't. his It's all good. Bill's under his desk. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, we, we've actually we've actually discussed uh, the book. I've actually listened to the interview uh, at WSFI many years ago. It did not scandalize me, folks. So pay attention. <laughs> Okay, well, suffice it to say, I won't get into too many gory details, but it's a time of waking up every morning in menopause to one indignity after another. Things are rapidly changing. You hardly recognize yourself in the mirror anymore. It's a little rough patch for a lot of women where we go through a lot with between hot flashes and waking up at night and and um and other things having trouble focusing brain fog all these things start to happen and so at that time i was asked to write a book i was hosting a conference and i had some catholic publishing people there and somebody said to me hey why don't you think about writing a book for for us and this is someone at servant books and i said i don't know i don't think i have a book in me and then of course the holy spirit flooded into my brain and over the next week or two i started emailing with her and we and i first i thought oh I'll, theology the body's really cool i'll write a little you know manual for getting through menopause using theology the body but as we talked more and more it just expanded out and i realized that women all our lives and this in a different way impacts men around strength 
around value, around income and other things and status. Um, and I don't pretend to be an expert on that. But as a woman, from cradle to grave, we are body shamed, age shamed, whatever it is. You see young girls, you know, wearing corsets now and harming themselves and, and never feeling like they're enough. Well, you go through menopause and that really increases because your mood swings are happening and you can really feel assaulted. And so we started to integrate um, in our discussions and it really you know, became important to me as a woman to really focus on what is authentic beauty. And so part of that was that I was starting to realize that the changes in my body were part of my conversation with God. And so it was holy and all of it was good. Some of it was painful, but I could ask God, what does this mean? What are you saying to me now? And I started to have this really wild conversation with God. The first piece was the hot flashes. I was <laughs> I like, uh, you know, since I had suffered from infertility for 14 years, or it was 14 years till I had my daughter, um, huge miracle for me. Um, I felt like the last of my fertility was burning away and it was a depressing thought. And I said, Lord, I know you're not depressing. So this must mean something else. And for weeks, I, I kept bringing it up in prayer. What are you saying to me? And then one day at mass, at that silent time when they're preparing the altar for the Eucharist, I was looking up at the crucifix over the altar and having a wicked hot flash and kind of flapping my jacket, trying to cool off. And I said, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me now? And there in the presence of the tabernacle, I suddenly saw images of fire from the Bible. I saw the pillar of fire leading the Israelites through the desert. I'm not even kidding. I saw, oh, the first one was actually the, the burning bush with, with Moses removing his sandals because he was standing on holy ground. And then the pillar of fire. And then the tongues of fire descending on the apostles. And I went, Lord, that's it. I know now. This is your fiery love. This is you speaking to me, leading me, and anointing this time of my life to a new purpose. And from that moment on, I recognized that no matter what happened to my body as I aged, that it would be part of my conversation with God and that there would be new lessons in it that would be of worth that I could share with others. And so lots of things. Like one morning I woke up and my face just looked awful. I don't know if I was dehydrated or allergies or whatever. And I said, all right, Lord, what are you saying to me now? And I suddenly had this image of a clock and that my face was like a clock. And it was reminding me that my time was preciously limited. And I'm a procrastinator. So I felt like the Lord was, was saying to me, what are you going to do with your day, procrastinator? Like that reminder that time was passing was him kind of smiling at me. It wasn't mean at all. It was really sweet. And it was like kind of, you know, the way someone who loves you can tease you and you don't take offense. It was like that. I just kept having those moments. And when one woman at a talk I was giving said, held up her arms and shook the loose skin under her arms. And she says, what does this mean? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know we are all dying laughing. And I said, well, you know, God's loosening us up so we can slip right out when the time comes, when he calls us home. And we all had a good laugh. Um, Father Dave Dwyer on his radio show that around the same time asked me, okay, so why, why do I have to wear reading glasses now? And the Holy Spirit was right there with me. And I said, and, and it stayed with me. I really have thought about this as my own eyesight has started to fail. And I just said to him, well, maybe God wants you to start seeing things that are not visible to the, to the human eye see things with your spirit and so that's what it really kind of boils down to is that as we mature in the spiritual life two things are happening we're developing spiritual sight 
or maturing and being able to see things, understand the meaning, draw it out as never before because we're maturing in our life with Christ. But that authentic beauty that the world tells us we are losing, we're becoming irrelevant, we're no longer beautiful, we should just shut up right? Older women should, you know, you're not, you're not beautiful enough or whatever. You're not welcome at the table. Look at older actresses. They all play witches and bad people. Really, seriously. The greatest yeah. uh-huh. actresses of our time, they hit a certain age and suddenly mature women are scary, right? To Hollywood. Hollywood is really afraid of mature women. Our beauty becomes more impactful and more real as we draw closer to Jesus Christ in that intimate center in our souls, that, that where our Christian dignity resides, in that place with Christ. And so as we grow closer to him over time, that impact, remember that we're tabernacles of his presence, grows stronger. It's just like the tabernacles in our communities, where people walk by our churches all the time without knowing anything about that presence. But when we get to heaven, we will see the impact of that invisible presence. It, we will see, we will hear the beautiful stories of conversions, of moments of grace, simply because Christ was present in that community and was adored and loved in that community. And so we can just assume that the invisibility as women that we experience as we get older, people talk over us at family reunions as we get elderly, or men, we no longer turn heads for women who were accustomed to that, no longer turning heads. And now they're, now they're looking at your daughter, right? Or your granddaughter. Um, that invisibility, we can we can thank God for. We can say, thank you, Jesus. Yes. Your, your invisibility, your invisible beauty and power is something that I now get to share with you. Thank you. Well, I love how you articulated that because I'm a, I'm a 50 pluser myself. And it's just, it's good to hear those reflections because it is so helpful. Uh, now we have a little bit of time left and I would love it if you can share about the, the whole concept of praying with children Mm. Uh, and tell us about your book, Heads Bowed. Oh, I'm sorry. There was just a little glitch oh, there. Oh, okay. I said, if you could tell us about your book, Heads Bowed. Well, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, Ligori Publications asked me to write a book uh, a few years ago to create. Um, it was a follow-up to another book by another author, and there was so much demand for it because having a book of prayers for children could be used in Catholic schools, home schools, any homes really. In fact, having prayers for every day of the school year ended up being used in faculty meetings and things like that so that the prayers weren't just for the children, but they were simple enough and layered enough so that the adults and the children could enjoy them. And so what I did is peg it to the liturgical year, but also the seasons of the year, the actual, you know, changing seasons, but also to various virtues and and other kinds of things, the mysteries of the rosary. And so each week has a scripture that is thematically connected with the week, and each day of the week, five days of each week, um, for about 10 months of the year, considering different start and end times for school years. Um, And so, and so for each day of the week, there's something to do not only with the theme from the scripture, but also the church's traditional dedications for the months and the days of the week. So it's, it sounds a little confusing, but it's all matrixed out in the book. It's very simple to follow. So uh, certain days of the week are dedicated to the Eucharist or to St. Joseph or to the Holy Spirit. And so those things get integrated in. And so at the back is a glossary of terms, challenge terms, so that the teacher, the adult, many of us adults have gaps in our learning. We might not know what Gehenna means. It might be come up in a scripture or what anointing means or even how to explain it to a child. So every prayer is a catechetical learning experience. 
every glossary definition is a catechetical learning experience. And so the child and the adult are learning the faith together throughout the year. That's the idea of it, to be learning that language of love together, to be have the adult modeling that humble neediness before the throne of God, of always bringing ourselves to God in the presence of children, showing, teaching them the language of love that they can start to use in their own way, and uh, and really just giving them a foundation for growing in virtue. It's It's very, very powerful to pray with our children. And it's so important at this time, I believe, uh, in, the, in the culture that we're in, that they learn the basics of the faith. So I think I, I just commend you on doing that. And now, and as we're heading out of the program pretty soon, again, I would invite you to check out these two websites for Lisa Maladnik. One is www.raphaelremedy forward slash lisamaladnik.com. And the other one is amazingcatechist.com. Lisa, maybe you can tell us about those two websites. And when once they get there, what should they do to learn more? Okay, well, my, my original website, amazingcatechist.com, is a place where parents and catechists and ministry leaders can find free resources. So lots of articles, reflections, lesson plans, things like that. And there's also a page, uh, you can see it on the nav bar where my name is. And if you want to find out more about me and what I'm up to, my I'm podcast for homeschoolers. It's called Podcasting. I'm sorry, it's called Homeschooling Saints. And that's sponsored by Homeschool Connections, which is a great Catholic company that provides courses for home schooled kids and I teach for them as well and so you can find out like so all the little things you know, pies that I have my fingers in there the Raphael Remedy and that's raphaelremedy.com forward slash Lisa Maladnik if you just go to Raphael Remedy it's a very well-known site uh, the owner Allison Ricciardi is very present on EWTN and Relevant Radio um, she's a really faithful Catholic therapist and so she's the head of counseling there. I'm the head of coaching. And there's another woman who's going to be coming on soon who's just fabulous, who's helping to reclaim the Catholic space around health and healing in natural healing terms. This was always a Catholic thing. The Catholic hospitals and the university system and everything, all of that, the healing you know, kind of ministries in the world all came out of Catholicism and that uh, that kind of scientific method that emerged from the monastery system. Anyway, just so, uh, and there are, by the way, over 400 scriptures that refer to the use of essential oils and plants for healing. And so even though a lot of that's been co-opted by the new age movement and we feel suspicious of it and we do want to be careful of our sourcing of these kinds of uh, things this other person at the website Chantal Howard you can find her online too and on Facebook she's fabulous a wonderful faithful Catholic who's done a lot of research into the the properties of these natural healing methods as well as the the absolute uh, you know they're they're definitely compatible with our faith and our morals and will do nothing to harm us. So we're really excited. We're actually going to start a podcast later this year too called Faith Focused Forward. And we're going to be talking about lots of things to do with growing in our faith, with mental health, with moving forward in our lives through coaching and through physical health as well. And anything else that comes up that we think is going to be important for us. So, so Raphael Remedy is a great place uh, to find more about growing in your faith and in your health and amazingcatechist.com for parents, catechists, and ministry leaders. I'm looking forward to that podcast, I must say. So please keep me posted about it. And, oh, I will. And we'll help spread the word. So 
Uh, I know we're, we're up to the ending point here. So um, thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the Sewing Hope podcast. I know that you're also going to be a guest on my online TV show with Fiat Ministry Network, Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis. And that's not going to be for a little bit of time. Uh, it'll be coming up in, in a couple months from now. So keep an eye. And once again, please, uh, I would invite you to come back again. Bill, I'm sure that you would welcome oh, yes. that too. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Anytime. The, the, the door is always open here on Sewing Hope. And, uh, and thank you so much, Lisa, for, uh, for your wisdom, your insight. Uh, there's, there's so many great things that uh, I'll be listening to this podcast over and over again. So, uh, you know, listeners, you know, know that this will be up there for you to, you know, continue to listen to. And we thank you for, uh, you know, uh, being with us today, even though we were not live. Uh, on the air, thank you for uh, thank you for tuning in anyway, and uh, and being a part of our ministry. Uh, know that you can always head over to our websites, uh, simply andesantis.com and patchworkheart.org for more information about our ministries and upcoming guests and our schedule and everything like that. Um, but yeah, Lisa, thank you so much for uh, for for being here today. It's it's been an absolute joy, and definitely can't wait to have you back. Oh, thank you. I had Amen. a great time too. God bless. <laughs> God bless. All right, folks. Well, uh, as we're wrapping up the episode here, we want to remind you that you can uh, continue to head over to our Patreon as well to get all our premium content. That is patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry. Uh, don't forget the Discover Your Mission series. Uh, it's only $25 a month. And uh, in addition to that, uh, tune in to Anne each and every uh, Friday night on Fiat Ministry Network Journeys of Faith. Uh, thanks so much for being here and tuning in. Until next time, keep sowing hope into broken hearts and beating to your Catholic heart. I'm Bill Snyder. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at Ministry or andesantis2. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present Hear Your Faith, a brand new audio subscription service that features a growing collection of uplifting Catholic audio choruses, talks, and other exclusive content to help you grow deeper in your faith and knowledge of Catholicism. Subscribe today at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry.